excited about it. As the weeks progress, every Sunday between now and through uh, until September 12th, we're going to be talking a little bit more about it each Sunday, and we're going to be having sign-ups for it. You're going to next week. You're going to get a catalog. It'll show all the different groups that are available to you. The groups consist of anywhere around 10 to 15 people. Um, there's going to be different topics. There's going to be mixed gender groups. There's going to be um, single gender groups. There's going to be a married group. All these different group options for you, different topics and whatnot. So um, look forward to attending that. The groups run through the middle of September, and then they end right before Thanksgiving. And then a new semester will start up after the holidays. So, uh, But as we get closer, we'll give you more information about that. And it's just a really consistent way of connecting with people and then also growing a little deeper in your spiritual life, getting a little more understanding of the scriptures and how to apply that to your life. So that's our goal of this. So let's continue with our service. All right, let's, let's pray together. Father, thank you again for bringing us here. Thank you for um, being present already, God. You're here with us, God, and we, we welcome you to this place, Lord. And um, it's our desire that we hear from you, God, and that through the uh, songs, through this message, um, Lord, that you give us insight into um, the differences between men and women and um, how to approach relationships, how to approach parenting, Lord. Um, I just I ask for the ability to focus, Lord, and uh, to that you would just bring some things to the surface in our minds that might help us be more effective with the roles you've assigned to us, Lord. We just pray that your Holy Spirit would give us guidance right now, would protect our, our minds, our thoughts, Lord. We just surrender ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's good again to see you all here. And uh, we're in the middle of a, of a message series called A Parent's Game Plan. And we're looking at um, a game plan is different than a program. We talked about this last week. Briefly, just to catch you up um, and, and refresh your memory on some of these things, um, a, a game plan gives you options so that when you hit roadblocks or obstacles or things that were unexpected, a game plan has that in mind. You know, if you're playing football, the coach, he's got a game plan that involves strategy to prepare you for obstacles, for, you know, certain kinds of defenses, certain kinds of, you know, um, plays that are being run by the other team. A game plan, it plans ahead of time for what you need to do to respond. It, It deals with responses program is very different. And so we're looking at how do you develop a proactive, intentional game plan in parenting. And, you know, today we're looking more about motivation. Last week we looked at how characters form. Today we're looking at how to motivate based on the differences um, between men and women. And we're going to have some fun with this just because it's a, it's a fun topic to look at, the differences between men and women, because um, we are all very different. Um, in case you didn't know that, <laughs> just break that to you right now. So, um, but if you're parenting, you probably see this even more. As a parent, you probably see your, if you've got boys and girls, you probably see the boys, you know, they, they act a certain way and the girls they act kind of a different way. Well, that's very, very intentional by God's design. And this is helpful regardless of your parenting, though. Just to understand these differences that we're going to look at, even if you're not parenting right now or if you're through with parenting, again, I think this will help you in your relationships just as you interact with the opposite sex. And so... We're going to be looking at a lot of information, um, so buckle up, because, I mean, if you look at the back, this could be somewhat overwhelming. It looks like we're about to enter into a, uh, some sort of a uh, behavioral science classroom, and so, and for a little while we are. Um, there's some things that the, that the scientific world has discovered that um, they didn't invent, but they discover things that the Scripture talks about. From thousands of years ago, God has wired some things in that now science supports and says, hey, this is what, you know, this is the way reality works. Well, this is stuff that God actually planned. The scripture talks about some of these differences. In the beginning of the Bible, the beginning of human history, we get this statement out of Genesis chapter 1, the first chapter of Genesis, verse 27. God makes the statement about creating the whole human race. It says this. It says, so God created man. It's talking about the whole human race. Okay, that word is Adam, where we get the, the term Adam. Okay, um, So God created man in his own image, but in the image of God, he created him. It's not saying that we are gods ourselves, but it's saying we are like God. We reflect God's his nature. We can communicate, we can think, we, 
You know, there's just a lot of things and there's a lot of ways in which we are like God. He's made us to be like Him. We're to reflect His image. And, it, and then it says this, male and female, He created them. Now this is extremely important to understand that males and females are different by intentional design. This is an interesting statement though. The Hebrew words that are used here for male and female are not the same. They're not even similar in their roots. If you look at the Hebrew structure and the root structure of these words, it's, it's two entirely different ideas because men and women are two entirely different... I don't even know what the word is. Things. People. Species. But it's because in, in these, as you study these words, what you learn is that the differences go down to the very core of the person. Males and females are different to the very core of who we are. It's not just that we're physically different or that we may look different, but there is some, there's some core differences that I want to look at. And this is what comes up in the Bible. Um, and this is very different than what we hear in our society. Um, we're in a society, we live in a day and age where we hear that, oh, we're all just kind of the same. We're all just kind of the same. You can parent the same. You can treat each other the same. We, could, we should blur and eliminate all the gender lines. We're all just the same. And that idea is actually being um, challenged now more and more by science, by secular scientists. Whereas in the past, it was usually the church or those who believed in God and studied the Bible or believed in the Bible, the church would challenge that thinking. Now science is coming along and saying, men and women are different. And it's like this shocking revelation that men and women are different. Um, as we study the brain, not me personally, not you probably, unless we've got any brain uh, studiers. Yeah, I'm falling apart on my word choices here today, but <laughs> any brain experts here? Okay, we got one. Okay, that's good. Thanks. We got, but that's pets. So, <laughs> but pet brains, human brains, there's probably some differences there too. So, but but what we're going to look at here. If you turn over this chart, we're going to look at some of the male and female differences that are very, very clear to us as we observe human nature. But, you know, we all have to think, men and women, we, we do all think. There's some things that we have alike. We think. We all have to walk through doors without smashing our faces. You know, we all have to, our, our brains have to operate in certain ways so we can move forward each day and get things done. But the way that we go about accomplishing things in life tends to be very, very different. Um, also, our hormonal structure is very different. Guys are subject primarily to one hormone, meaning we're subject to this main hormone called testosterone, and it drives men towards certain things physically and certain things emotionally. Ladies deal with five different hormones, and that affects the way that females respond. Some of the guys are grinning like, I figured that out a long time ago. There's something different. But the way that men and women, the hormonal structure is very, very different. Now, men are going to think about some of these things and they're going to have smirks on their faces. And ladies are going to think about some of these things. You're going to have smirks on your faces because it, um, it's easy to listen to some of this content and some of this material and think, oh, man, this is why I'm the superior race. This is why, you know, you know this is or not the race, but gender. So let, let's look at some of these things. This is a disclaimer, though, before we really dive into some of these. Um, as I talk about some of these tendencies, I'm not saying that either one of these are are not concerned about the uh, what the you know if the if the ladies have a strong point in certain areas doesn't mean that the men don't do that at all or, or it just means that that's not a major tendency of their life it's not a major strength for men in those areas and so um, I I understand from a parenting standpoint. Um, that my boys are very different than my daughter. Already I can see this. Um, my daughter right now, she's, she's becoming a little chatterbox. And she's, not, she's eight months, but she's just you know, constantly babbling on. It's not making much sense yet, although I think she's saying dada. Because it's, it's dad, 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 dad. And I'm like, that's right. That's, they tend to get that early on. But, but we don't give her dolls yet. But she, you know, I don't buy my boys doll, dolls. I, I plan to buy her dolls. And right now, if I were to give her a doll, she'd probably eat the thing because everything right now goes in her mouth. But uh, my sons are very different. You know, I give them action figures. That's what they love. They like action figures and weapons. And 
And even if they have action figures, you know, and they talk, it's not usually like, hey, Barbie, hey, Ken. It's usually like, you know, Darth Vader killing Luke Skywalker. God, God. You know, and I find my boys with lots of toys under the covers in the morning. And it's not uncommon for me to find swords and lightsabers under the cover with them. Because you never know when you're going to use those things, right? And so, boys, this is just typically, um, you know, just the, the toys and just watching our kids. You know, it's very interesting to understand these things from just observation. But science comes along again and just says that there's some differences. In fact, when, when boys are in the womb at six weeks, their bodies are doused by their mother's body. They're in the womb and they're doused with testosterone. And at that point, their brain it begins to slow down in the way it forms. And so some of the crosstalk that would go on between the right and the left brain, it slows down. And so that affects the development of men in a different way. Ladies, they don't have that, that dose of testosterone to the extent they're not doused in it the way that, that boys are. And so their brain continues to talk back and forth and it develops in a different way. Now, this affects who we become. And again, some of the girls are like, yep, that's true. I can see that already. Now look at the chart. The brain activity between men and women. The brain activity in women is fully engaged. Your brains are fully engaged. They're talking. Your right and your left brain, just, there's, a lot of, there's a lot going on. We're going to see a funny video about this in just a second. For men, there's just partial engagement. Um, there's not the same level of activity going on in, in our brains, men. Um, at rest... At rest, for women, the, the brain resides in the midsection in this emotional area, but still fully engaged. Scientists have said that even the lady's brain at rest is firing far more than the guy's brain when they're awake. That's interesting. I'm not sure what that means, but something is happening. You know, Even in this emotional state, there's just a lot going on in a woman's brain. And for men, when men are sleeping, when they're resting, they're still just partially engaged. But they're hanging out in this emotional area. I want to show you this video clip. And the guys are going to be queuing it up for just a second. But um, this guy, he, he's trying to communicate how we're different in the, way that we, in the way that we interact. And so take a look at this. He's looking at the brain structure. Men's brains, women's brains, and how they're very different from each other. Now, I want to start with men's brains. All right. Now, men's brains are, are very unique. Men's brains are made up of little boxes. And we have a box for everything. We've got a box for the car. We've got a box for the money. We've got a box for the job. We've got a box for you. We've got a box for the kids. We've got a box for your mother somewhere in the basement. We've got, we got, we, we got boxes everywhere. And the rule is, the boxes don't touch. <laughs> when a man discusses a particular subject, we go to that particular box, we pull that box out, we open the box, we discuss only what is in that box. All right? And, and, and then we close the box and put it away being very, very careful not to touch any other boxes. different from men's brains. Women's brains are made up of a big ball of wire. And everything is connected to everything. The money's connected to the car, the car's connected to your job, and your kids are connected to your mother, and everything's connected to everything. It's like, 
It's like the internet superhighway. Okay? And, and it's all driven by energy that we call emotion. It's, just, it's, it's one of the reasons why women tend to remember everything. Because if you take an event and you connect it to an emotion, it burns in your memory and you can remember it forever. The same thing happens for men. It just doesn't happen very often because, quite frankly, we don't care. <laughs> Women tend to care about everything. And she just loves it. <laughs> okay. Now, men, we have a box in our brain that most women are not aware of. This particular box has nothing in it. It's true. It's true. In fact, we call it the nothing box. And of all the boxes a man has in his brain, the nothing box is our favorite box. <laughs> if a man has a chance, he'll go to his nothing box every time. That's why a man can do something seemingly completely brain dead for hours on end. You know, like fishing. Now, they've actually measured this. The University of Pennsylvania a couple of years ago did a study and discovered that men have the ability to think about absolutely nothing and still breathe. <laughs> you know, they connected all the wires and stuff like that, much to brain activity, and then all of a sudden, he <laughs> I think he's dead! Okay, okay, huh? I, think, I think you get the, the gist of it. So there's a lot... There's a lot, you know, a lot of differences in the way that our brains work, as illustrated there. When we're upset, if you look back at this chart, if you're upset, we handle this differently. Women, they want to talk it through, and it usually takes them about 30 minutes, and then they, you know, when they get stressed very quickly, in a woman's brain, it, their brain moves to the verbal centers, and they have a need to discuss. They want to just discuss things, talk about it. This is different for men. If a guy gets really upset, the impulses go down, and he has this tremendous surge of emotion, and he needs to either punch something or storm out of the house. He needs to, he needs to release some aggression. And that is very helpful to understand. This, this whole fight or flight, the, this difference between men and women, might take a guy up to three hours before he can calm down. Um, this is very helpful in battle. For people that are in war, for people that are in battle, this is very helpful. If you're in battle, you don't want someone next to you who, who turns and says, can we, can we talk about this for a minute? You, know, you want a guy who's about ready to charge the hill with you. You want a guy who, who's willing to do what needs to be done in that moment. And, and this is one of the distinct differences that God uses. We're going to talk about how He uses this. But I, I've experienced this. Sometimes I'm just like, man, I am not ready to talk about this. And I, and, and I get... The, the more I'm, I'm encouraged to talk about it, the more frustrated I become until I got some time to release some of my frustration, some of that emotion. This, is, this, is, this explains, too, uh, for those of you who are parents, um, I have boys. I don't have a girl that's expressing this yet, but the difference here is if a girl gets upset in the morning, typically she can talk through it and begin and be ready to learn by the time... Um, School starts in the morning, so she can be productive in the morning. For a boy, because of this fight or flight, uh, generally the first half of the morning is kind of wasted time. They're probably really stuck because they're really upset. And so for parents, this is helpful to understand that you would want to take a few steps back and try to give your children, now this is a challenge for me, but give our children more time, less stress in the morning. Whatever we can do to, to make the morning go smoother may really help your kids 
learn more effectively at school because of this. If, if he's still working through the emotions and you're, he's off to school, he's probably going to be stuck there for quite a while until he's ready to uh, release some of that. Um, so you might consider, oh, maybe we need to back up our schedule in the morning to allow for, um, so we're not as, as crunch in the morning, to allow for them to process. When it comes to sensory input, sensory input, women have full reception. They tend to be taking in all kinds of data around them. Visually, they're listening. They're, they're just a lot more sensitive. You know, they're gathering information constantly. Men have goal-based selection, so they tend to be taking in data based on what their goals, out. Their, their goals are. They're screening out everything else, and they're locking in <clears throat> on a specific goal, and they're focusing on what they want to do. So at a party, if a man and woman arrive together at the party, and... They, they're walking through the crowd and she's thinking about what this person's wearing. She's listening to this conversation as she's walking through. She's seeing who's interacting with the others. A man, he locates the dessert table and he locks on. He finds the direct path around the people to the dessert table, to the food. This is just very different. We, we, we're very goal-driven. We're very focused on what we're trying to accomplish. When it comes to our strengths, women have an emotional... This is a, a strength for women. They... They can form emotional relationships. Ladies make, their brains make it much easier to form connections. Their hormones really help them with making emotional connections with others. Men, on the other hand, they have spatial relationships. They're able to see things moving through the air. They're able, generally men have, have um, better hand-eye coordination. Now, again, I'm not saying that you might be a, a, women, a, a lady who is a very coordinated hand-eye coordination I'm not saying that you can't, but generally the way that this looks is men tend to have more hand-eye coordination. They're spatial in the way that we accomplish things. <clears throat> men, you know, when they're, you think about when you're um, channel surfing. If a lady's channel surfing, again, she's looking at faces, she's looking at dialogue. It's said that men are looking at things that are flying through the air. Footballs, explosions from car parts. You know, that's fascinating to us. There's just... You know, things racing through the screen, that's just that's part of our differences. When it comes to com- conversing for problem solving, again, women are full brain. When ladies are talking, they're, they're using this entire brain to solve this issue. Men, again, they're struggling because they're, they're still just partially engaged with their brain. Now this, this happens to me often. Like, I'll be in a scenario or a situation, I have a problem, I have a real hard time thinking what to do in that moment. I have a hard time with problem solving. I, I, I'm, it takes me a lot longer. I have to really, really, really think and process and think and process before I feel like I've got a clear head on, on the issue. And so when it comes to external things, the external world, ladies tend to humanize things. What I mean by this is um, they, they tend to turn things into something human. So even in pets, you see this with pets. Ladies tend to develop real close relationships, a lot closer than maybe men do with dogs and cats. It's a different kind of relationship. Men still respect dogs and cats, probably have relationships still, but women tend to project human characteristics onto pets. Guys tend to objectify things. Women tend to dress their dogs up in clothes. Most men don't do that. (laughs) Guys rarely dress up their dogs in clothes and have them hanging out as they're cruising down the road with their little clothes on, the dog clothes. Um, if a guy swerves to miss a dog on the road, it's because he doesn't want to hit a dog. If a woman, you know, hits a dog or swerving is because she doesn't want to hit this, this dog who's got a name and a home and an owner and kids and all, she's thinking about the relational side of it. This is another uh, clip. Here's an audio clip of a song I think really illustrates, again, some of these things. It's a country song for all of you country fans. We put the lyrics up so you can follow the first. We're just going through the first verse. We have lyrics or no? When you see a deer, you see Bambi. When I see antlers up on the wall. When you see a lake, you think picnics. And I see a largemouth up under that log. You're probably thinking that you're going to change me In some ways we'll 
has to do with the objectifying and humanizing side and the differences of men and women. Again, this is very helpful if you're married to understand some of these things. But it, And even in parenting, you want to think through this because um, some of the things that your daughters might be doing, if you're a guy, you're looking at you, that's just abnormal. Well, it's because she's, she's different. She's wired different. God's going to use some of those differences later on in her future. When it comes to emotional situations, ladies, they want to engage and, dis- and discuss. If someone gets sad, they get involved and and talking it through with them. If, if a lady needs time to discuss, she's doing what is normal as, as a woman. Men, they look for quick resolution. Whatever the fastest way out of this problem, that's the path they're going to take. They want quick resolution, and can we just move on? Can we get past this? Why are we still discussing this? We, we dealt with that. This is the difference. But if a guy's just trying to fix the problem Again, ladies, that's normal. He's just being a guy. This is, this is very normal for us. When it comes to words, women use more words, especially about their emotions, describing how they feel, describing how they're processing things. Some research says that ladies use as many as 25,000 words a day. Men, they use fewer words, mostly about thinking or about what they did or what they're planning to do. Guys use somewhere, they say, around 15,000 words. Sometime, sometimes, if you're married, your husband might come home from work. He's already used up all his words. And you're trying to get something out of him. you still got 10,000 words to go. And so then the conflict might erupt. This is, this is again, it's one of our differences. When women talk through things, it's often about their feelings. It's often about their emotions. Very, very different for guys. Um, look at these influence of hormones. I said there's a hormonal difference. Um, the patterns for, for just focus, the ability, women have the ability to focus on relationships. Their hormones really help them on this. Um, they can accomplish goals amidst their relationships. They get things done. Now, men are different. They're task-driven. They want to get it done. They want to relate around a goal. They usually talk while they're doing something. They're working on a car together with some of their buddies. They're building something. They're fixing something. They're they're They're... You know, they have a project they're trying to accomplish. If you're a parent and you want to get to know your daughter, then you need to sit down with your daughter and you need to chat with her. She needs to talk about it. She needs to relate to you. If you're a parent of a boy, you want to take your boy out and chat with him as you're doing something together. Take him hiking on Mount Rubido. Take him surfing at the beach. Take him boogie boarding. Take him backpacking. You know, take him to, to Home Depot and buy all the lumber that's required to build a doghouse. But it's in the interaction of the project that he's going to be relating to you and your relationship can grow. And again, it's just helpful to understand. Pain tension. We do, uh, we do, we're affected by pain very differently. Women want help. They, they want to use pain as an opportunity to create an emotional connection. This is an opportunity to relate. Men, again, they just want quick release. And they generally want to work through things on their own, independently. They, they would rather take care of this you know, in their cave. Uh, if a girl, if she bangs her knee on the coffee table and she cuts herself, the crying will, will likely draw people in that will give an opportunity to, to spend time with each other. For a boy, this is very different. Same thing, same scenario. A boy knocks his knee on a coffee table, cuts it. He might kick the coffee table back and start yelling at it or punching it. I've seen this with one of my sons. He runs into something and he gets angry at the object. You know, this is, but it's a quick release and then he moves on. Again, I'm not saying that women and you know that men don't cry. Men still cry. I cry. You know, I've cried. It's not often, but I do cry. And 15-year-old girls, they say, cry five times more than 15-year-old boys. There's just a difference when it comes to crying. Crying for women creates prolonged interaction. Not for men. They just they cry very, they cry less. When it comes to relationships, women would prefer an egalitarian. That means like an equal. They want equal roles, equal. You know, they like it when everyone kind of gets to be involved. So if they're picking, they're working on a project. They might spend 30 minutes determining who's on what 
uh, assignment, and really making sure everybody feels accepted and welcomed and understood and everyone feel good about the role you've been assigned. You know, men, when we play a sport, you know, got two captains, guys are okay with that, you know. Um, you know, and you might feel bad if you don't get picked until the end, but, you know, you get out in the field and you play the game. That We're kind of used to that. Guys would prefer a structure, a hierarchy in the way that we approach relationships. When it comes to action, women have forethought about consequences. They tend to think before they act. They, they have forethought. Men, they tend to be aggressive without forethought. Last week, I had a little bit of road rage come over me. I got... I got ran onto a curb, and I, I this this lady acknowledged that she did it, and she didn't give me the courtesy wave like oops or anything. She just looked at me and sped on down the road. I was I'm after her. <laughs> I stopped because I realized what was I doing, what was I gonna do. But have you been there, guys? I mean, you, we have this aggressive surge without much forethought. We're ups- okay, and then when you're upset at mid-action, like if there's an accident. Um, ladies tend to process quickly, and they're, they're, they're processing as they're going through it. Men, they postpone the reaction. They delay their reaction. They just act like in wartime. Again, this is, this is in wartime when horrible things are happening. Guys are dying. People are being killed. Guys will do what needs to be done, and the, the hormones, the emotions will, will come up later. They'll process them later. This is why post-traumatic stress is an issue more for men than for women. Because they'll do what needs to be done, and then later on they've got to work through the emotional side of it. Women still experience post-traumatic stress, but it's, a different, it's different than in men. So, you, again, parents, you need to keep this in mind with your kids. They're going to deal with stressful situations differently. And you need to, you need to understand this. When they're facing problems, women engage and they consider men. They look for the most efficient, the least emotional route. This is, again, we've kind of mentioned that. And last, in friendship. Women are communication dependent. Ladies find people that they communicate well with. They, they want to connect with people. So they're, they're, you know, if they don't com- connect or communicate well with someone, it probably isn't going to be a really close friend of theirs. Men, their friendships are based on proximity, sometimes activities. So your neighbors, the guys who play golf, guys who play basketball, the things you do. But in short, the sexes, men and women, are very, very different. And when we look at these things, some questions pop into our heads. Well, which one's better? You know, it seems like that it seems from just the chart here that boys are somewhat biologically defective. Um, we're only partially brain, you know, we're only partially engaged with our brain. You know, or if, or sometimes the other thought, if you've got boys, maybe we should try to feminize them or reprogram them into into being less aggressive and more sensitive or. If you're raising a girl, maybe we should try to toughen them up a little bit to balance out some of the emotion that goes, that goes up and down at times. Maybe we should do that. Most certainly not. These differences are, are intentionally part of God's design. It says that God created male and female. He created them. Again, the roots, the structure of those words, these are entirely different people, different persons. So that's why He the reason He designed us differently is because as we connect and work together, we can get more done in life. Where I'm weak, my wife fills in points in my life. She's able to fill things in, the gaps, the areas where I'm weak, and we can accomplish more together. The Scripture says that when the two, you know, if you're married or if you... Well, yeah, in marriage, the Scripture says the two are one flesh. There is this completing that goes on in marriage to be able to get more done in life. There's balance. is strengthening that goes on as two people join together in a committed relationship. And so, this picture that you get in marriage or that you just see in men and women, it's very important to start there as you work back and think through how do I strategize for my children? How do I work with my kids? So here's some things on the, on the front side. Going back to the front side, both, boys and girls must be loved, motivated, and taught. They need to be taught some things. Both of them need to be taught how to manage their own emotions and their attitudes. They need to learn how to relate to various kinds of people. Like, how do I relate to friends? This is important. They need to be motivated. They need to be taught how to do this. How do I relate to authority? They need to learn this from you, parents. 
How do I relate to strangers? This is something they need to learn. They also need to be taught how to make good decisions. You know, decisions are the pathway that lead to outcomes that will affect the rest of our lives. Decisions, sometimes we want to dumb them down and say, oh, they don't really matter. But decisions have major implications for our future. And so you want to help them learn how to make good decisions. When they make a bad decision, coach them along and think through, what would you have done differently if you could do that again? How, you know, knowing what you are experiencing, what you experienced, how would you, how would you change things if you could? When it comes to handling matters of life, work, words, how they handle trouble, money, how they manage money, they need to learn this stuff. They need to be taught this. These are things that both boys and girls need to learn. Walking with God. They need to be learned how to do that. And your, your approaches with your kids need to be slightly different. You cannot <clears throat> just treat them all as children. Oh, this is children and this is how we parent children. They're not, they are children, but they're different. They're men in training and they're women in training. And that's helpful to look down the road at the destination of where they're going. They're going to be men and women. And so you want to keep that in mind. You're, you're trying to move them towards that goal. The third thing here is develop the strengths of your child. You want to train boys in line with being boys. I use movies like Karate Kid and Rocky and Indiana Jones, adventure action movies, and I talk with my boys about those things. You know, it's, it's, it's fun to pull a lesson out of those stories. And sometimes there's bad lessons in the story, and then you can say, well, what do we learn about that? What do, you, what, do you think, <clears throat> what do you think God would think about how that character, you know, acted right there? Or about how that friend treated that, his other friend? What do you think God would think about that? Pull the values out of movies. At home, we have a box that is, is kind of, it doesn't have a label, but it is a box of romantic comedies. I have not once ever cracked open that box to watch a movie with my boys. But I do plan to crack open that box someday, years from now, and, and to talk to my daughter and any other daughters that we might have about you know, their role as ladies. Lessons, good lessons from the movies, bad lessons from the movies. But you want to train boys in line with being boys and girls in line with being girls. Look at what Titus says. Or Paul says this to Titus. He says, similarly, encourage the young men. He's talking about how everybody needs instruction based on sound doctrine. And then he goes through older men. And he talks about older women, younger men, younger women. And he says, these are some things you want to make sure that you're training. Encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. What do you start with, though? What does he say the first thing that young men need to learn? Self-control. Amen. That is something that men really wrestle with, self-control, when it comes to aggression. You know, we talked about this aggressive side of us. We need to learn to rein in our thoughts, rein in our emotions. Parents, this is an area to work with your kids on. When they're frustrated, when they're... When you see the aggression building up and they want to go and punch someone or something, it's time to engage and help them learn to get a grip on their emotions. When it comes to wrong thinking, when it comes to purity, lust, all of that, this is, this is an area where the, you know, the men, the boys need training in. They need, to, they need to talk about this stuff, but then they need to understand how this works. They need to learn from your struggle, Dad. They need to, they need to hear you be honest about these areas with them. For, for ladies, train girls in line with being a girl. Um, I'm relying heavily on my wife to help my daughter develop her strengths and to develop in, into the woman that God wants her to be. But look at what Titus or what Titus is told. This is Paul to Titus says. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign. The word means to speak evil of the word of God. He's kind of majoring here in this passage on relationships. And because a major part of a woman's life will involve relationships. She's a connector, much more than guys are. She has this unique and special ability to just bring people together to make them feel comfortable. This is, some, this is a strength of women that men tend to lack in. You know, guys, we'll order a pizza and 
And, you know, we'll find some, you know, snacks in the cupboards. But ladies, there's just all this detail that goes into gatherings. And, you know, they're thinking about placement of everything. And they're, it's just, you, and I walk into those environments and I'm like, wow, this is, who thought of this stuff? Surely not a guy, you know. Because we just don't have that kind of planning and forethought. But that has to do, I, I really believe, with the ability that women have to be relating and connecting. And that they're able to form friendship. There's just this difference here. Paul says, you know, they need to learn how to love their husbands and their children. I think he's talking about this because this will be a woman's greatest source of joy and her greatest source of pain if she ignores this area. If she just lets relationships go and just does it the way that she wants to do it and doesn't have much training or coaching on how to, how to love people, then she's going to have a painful life because relationships aren't something you'll be able to escape from easily. And so, highly important to be training for your daughters. Number four, express love emotionally. Even though they may experience it slightly differently, you want to express love emotionally. Boys, we need to hug them and then let them run. Because this is what boys like to do. This is what I experience. You know, I tell them I love you, and then they're off and running. And I don't see them. Because that's what boys do. We like to run. But they need to experience an expression of my love. They need to know that Dad loves them. Emotionally, they need to see that I love them. The, the opposite of this is Ephesians 6.4. This is something that we're warned against, Dad. It says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. That word exasperate, it means to provoke or to enrage them. That's when a kid is so frustrated that they just either... Oh, you, they're so frustrated, they just let out this huge sigh. They've been provoked or they blow up and they, they lose their temper too. They've been provoked to anger. So it says, Scripture says, Fathers, be careful with it. Do not exasperate. Don't push them to the limit to where they're going to lose it, to where they're going to lose control. You don't want your kids just remembering the times that they disappointed you. Do you? I mean, the times where you just feel like, man, Dad, that's all he ever feels. He just, he doesn't like me. I disappoint him all day long. I disappoint him every interaction. I can't get anything right. If that's all your kid experiences with you, then you're exasperating them. They don't, they need to know that you love them. They need hugs. They need to be told that you are for them. You, you, you see good things happening in their lives. So the Scripture says don't exasperate them. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. That's both through your example, them seeing that, but it's also through your interaction with them. Coaching, training, getting on their level, and talking with them about things that are really important. That takes time. We have to slow down as parents for our kids. Girls, though, this is different. Girls, you hug them and then you chat with them. With girls, you probably will have the opportunity to stop a while and discuss some things. Remember, girls just have a lot more words they need to use. And so, parents, you need to be keeping this in mind and engaging with your kids. And I, I already see this with my daughter. She's a, she's a chatterbox. And I'm like, man, I'm going to have to gear up for this because... She's, she's going to want to talk a lot more than my boys want to talk. She's a chatterbox. But this is, again, this is part of God's intentional design in her life. Look at this example from Ruth chapter 1. I'm just going to get to the end of this. Ruth is a, is a Moabite woman who marries a Jewish man. The story is that this family moves into this Moabite area and they marry um, foreign women. This mother... Um, Naomi and her husband move there and search for, I think it's food. There's a famine going on, I believe. And, and they're there, and while they're there, they decide to stay put in this new land in a foreign area, and their two sons take foreign women for wives. And in the course of time, the father, Naomi, Naomi and her husband, the dad dies, and then later on, the two sons, they die. And so Naomi, this mother-in-law, has these two daughter-in-laws who are now with her after 10 years and all the men are out of the picture. And so she encourages, she says, ladies, you need to stay here. I'm going to travel back to my people. I hear that God's providing for my people. And, and it's interesting the interaction that you get, the dialogue. She, there's really this struggle on both the daughter's parts. Um, and in Ruth it says this, at this they wept again. One of them chooses to go home or to stay there, to stay put. 
says, Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. There's this emotional connection that you see. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law, she's going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Girls typically form much stronger emotional bonds. This is one example of that. She says, Wherever or where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. If you know the story, God provided for Ruth and brought him another man along. But it's very interesting. Just this emotional connection you see, this is important. This is important to let, to let your daughters connect with you emotionally. Letting go of your little girl is, is going to be a lot harder probably than letting go of your boys. The fifth thing is affirm their growing character. You see this in Jesus' I'm not going to go through this uh, passage, but Jesus is left in the temple. Um, his, his parents, they travel to the temple, and they're there for a, a period of time for a feast. They head home and they forget Jesus. They're in a big caravan, but they leave Jesus at the temple, and they assume that Jesus is heading back home with them. And it's kind of like Jesus' version of home alone, and he's, he's lost. And so he's not lost, he's, he's still at the temple. And... Uh, his parents, one day later, this is a humorous story. This is Mary and Joseph. They forget Jesus. Um, they realize, where's Jesus, you know? And he's not with us, so they go back. Now, this probably doesn't happen all that often in our day and age, but, um, you know, pretty trusting society, communal society. They go back, they find him in the temple, and Jesus says, hey, I'm, I'm in my father's house. Didn't you know where I'd be? And, and, and they say, oh, and, uh, okay. They're kind of, they weren't, we don't give give us too much of a response here in what the Scripture says. But it says, they traveled back to Nazareth, and Jesus was obedient to His parents, but Mary treasured all these things in her heart. It kind of leads me to believe that Mary was oftentimes taking note of Jesus' development and His character, and she was affirming some things. She was taking some things in. It doesn't give us the dialogue, but you can bet that she was affirming some of the things that she saw and commenting on the character that he was developing. It says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and men. As he was developing, I bet that mom let him know about it. Him know about it. But you want to express a vision for the person that they can become and for the character that they can develop. Buddy, you're going to grow up and you're going to be brave. You're going to be a man who stands up for what's right even when nobody else will. And it, they need to hear that from you. You need to catch them doing something right rather than just doing things that are wrong. They need our affirmation. Affirm their significance. They see it differently. James talks about powerful instruments that can... Our words are like powerful instruments. And he says, you know, when we put bits, a bit is a powerful instrument, into the mouth of a horse to make them obey, we can turn this whole animal. A bit will turn a horse. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder. A rudder, for you that, you know, ship guys here, you sailors, you know, you know that's another. It's a powerful, small instrument, right? It's, an, it's a small instrument. And it allows the pilot to move wherever he wants to go. Then it says in verse 5, Likewise the tongue. It's a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. A word of blessing over your children enables your children to move forward secure in your love for them. This will help them learn to... If, if they know, if they hear that you love them regularly, this will enable them to be able to give love or to give it out and to receive love in the future. This has tremendous impact on their life. Your affirmation. Boys need to be respected for their competence. As they grow older and as they have great abilities to do things... They need to know that you're excited for them as they're, as they're growing in their accomplishments and their competence. They need to hear that from you. Girls, they need to be treasured for the person that they are. As you see things in them, she's blossoming and she's growing up. She's going to go through all sorts of different stages. She needs to know when she's feeling awkward that you love her for who she is, for the person that God has made. One dad, and we're way out of time, but one dad... I was reading this book, and it was a really powerful book, and it, it, it made me cry, you know. And, and like I said about 
guys, it doesn't happen often, but some things, you know, it'll make a dad cry. And uh, I was reading, and he did these special things with all of his kids. And with his daughters, he took his daughters on these dates at, at the age of 14. And, it was, and he, he bought a ring for them. And he, and, he, and he spent like 30 minutes just encouraging them for who they were. And then he got down on one knee, and he, like, like a you know, husband and wife would propose, or husband would propose to his wife, and he, and, he, and he said, I want you to save yourself for your future husband. Will you make a commitment to God to, to do that? And he would affirm them for the person that they are. He, he said he would only do that if they were truly growing in character. But this was a rite of passage that he was taking his daughter through. And he was saying, I give you my blessing to move into this next stage of life as a woman. You're beginning the journey of a woman. You have my blessing. I'm for you. I love you. And that's powerful to me as a dad to think through, man, our kids need that. They need to know that they have our blessing. And so I've said a lot. We've looked a lot. There's some things to keep in mind. Those two last two fill in the blanks are as boys and girls. So you can look at those later on and uh, next week we're going to look at some of the obstacles that come up in pairing and how do you overcome them um, there are some resources I'd encourage you to pick up bringing up boys and bringing up girls by Dr. James Dobson just gives you a lot of insight into these differences um, let's go to the Lord in prayer as the band comes forward thank you God for thank you God for the, uh, the opportunity that you give us to look at things like parenting Lord, it's a complicated arena. It's not, you know, it's not anything that we that we can just uh, stumble into and um, without much thought or study or training. Lord, we we really um, there's a lot to parenting, and I just thank you, God, that you've given us insight from both from your Word and from other people in our lives and observations, even that the world is making about our differences. Lord, we can take all of these things to develop a strategy and a game plan that will help us be more effective as parents. Would you help us, God, to take our role extremely serious, knowing that you're checking up on us. You've given us a responsibility here of of parenting, Lord, and to develop develop the adults and the men and the women that will really make a difference in this world, Lord, in the future. And so help us, God, to really um, get a hold of this responsibility. And, um, Lord, we ask you for your power and your strength to do this well. In Jesus' name, amen. In just a few minutes, we're going to be receiving a